0: You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. My name's Rick Francis, I'm the pastor here. Hallelujah. Been here for a long time. And all the people said, yeah, tell us. (laughs) We know it's been a long time. Well, we're we're looking at uh, the series Life Made New. This morning we're looking at learning how to die. And I pretty much took the first verse and used that as my text and went into the Gospel of John and forgot the rest of the book. So you'll have to read the book if you want to get all the the wonderful butterfly metaphors. I think you'll enjoy it. Jesus says in John 12, verse 24, I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Hmm. That was a verse that uh, Mary Lou Beeson received from the Lord upon the realization that her husband, Tim, the founder of this church, uh, was killed in an auto accident on I-69 and that was 12 years ago and that brought such comfort to her heart and I never quite understood that I never quite understood that but but it's a powerful verse I always look at as a verse that's talking about how in death there becomes the multiplication of life through the resurrection but there was something that she saw in this and uh it was, it was quite amazing because every time I was around Mary Lou and I would hear her talk about Tim's passing, this verse would always be the verse that she would go to. She would always go to this. And she believed that in Tim's death, there was something released in the earth that just brought evangelist, 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 evangelist. There was just a, a release of evangelism that came upon the earth. Now, many of you have had, had deaths. And oftentimes, um, I've had the honor to be with you in, in that environment and had the honor of, of proclaiming the gospel in that environment. And there's something about when, when one that everyone loves has passed and you're able to share the good news of the kingdom of resurrection life in Jesus, there are those there that have never, that have never received Christ And there's, I think, a a, a special grace during that time where the Holy Spirit just draws as Jesus is lifted up in the proclamation of the gospel, hearts are turned toward him and they come. And it's like, wow, we lost Tim, but how many people came to Jesus through all of that? Now, here's where we can get into some trouble because we can say, okay, We had all these new, new conversions because Tim passed. So now who wants to go next? Mm-hmm. And oftentimes we think because something good came as a result of something, therefore God must have been sponsoring the event. And I don't believe that. Not for a second. God didn't cause Tim Beeson to die. That was never in the heart of God for Tim to die. We have an adversary who is upon the earth because he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. There's no doubt about that. He is coming to do us harm. His his nature is evil. He's the father of lies. And he wants to confuse, he wants to block us from intimacy with God. He wants to to keep us feeling like somehow we don't measure up. Therefore, we have to distance ourselves from the Father, from the Son, and from even the Holy Spirit. And so we we have an adversary who's constantly doing this. And if he can't get us that way, then he'll get us to think that God's the one that pulled the trigger. He gets us to think that God is the one that does harm. That, that causes the evil to occur. And God never does that. That's not his nature. The goodness of God is so good that you can never, never, never exaggerate the goodness of God. Your best exaggeration of the goodness of God, you're just barely starting to scratch the surface of his goodness. He's so good. But it gets confusing for us especially if we've been raised in in the religious world to where God is absolutely sovereign. Therefore, if something bad happens, it means God did it. Then we get into his permissive will, his sovereign will, what what he allows, what he doesn't allow, and it gets really, really crazy. And mentally, we can get ourselves to where we're calling something evil as though it came from God. It doesn't. But we, we, we understand from the scriptures, even the Old Testament, that what is intended to do us harm, what is intended for evil, God can always, always work his good. Yeah. To me, that's just amazing. I just, I just stand amazed at the goodness of God. What our Father can do with our circumstances. Regardless if we cause them because we <laughs> aligned ourselves with disobedience, or whether an, an, another outside agent acted upon our lives and our situation, and we got blindsided in a in a collision that we were not responsible for one bit. He still knows how to work his good. He always knows how to work good. So let's go to the Gospel of John. I'm going to be reading out of the Passion Translation. I know that probably surprised most of you today. So it'll be up on the screen so that you can follow. Chapter 12, verse 23. He replied, that's Jesus. Now is the time for the Son of Man to be glorified. Let me make this clear. A single grain of wheat will never be more than a single grain of wheat unless it drops into the ground and dies because then it sprouts and produces a great harvest of wheat all because one grain died. The person who loves his life and pampers himself will miss true life. But the one who detaches his life from this world and abandons himself to me will find true life and enjoy it forever. If you want to be my disciple, follow me and you will go where I am going. And if you truly follow me as my disciple, the Father will shower his favor upon your life. Even though I am torn within and my soul is in turmoil, I will not ask the Father to rescue me from this hour of trial, for I have come to fulfill my purpose, to offer myself to God. So, Father, bring glory to your name. Then suddenly a booming voice was heard from the sky. I have glorified my name, and I will glorify it through you again the audible voice of God startled the crowd standing nearby. Some thought it was only thunder, yet others said an angel just spoke to him. Then Jesus told them, the voice you heard was not for my benefit, but for yours to help you believe. From this moment on, everything in this world is about to change. For the ruler of this dark world will be overthrown, I will do this when I am lifted up off the ground and when I draw the hearts of people the hearts of people to gather them to me. He said this to indicate that he would die by being lifted up on the cross. Father, we ask that you would release your holy spirit in a way that we would have ears to hear what you are saying to the church what you are saying to us individually and corporately, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. A single grain of wheat will never be more than a single grain of wheat unless it drops into the ground and dies. Because then it sprouts and produces a great harvest of wheat, all because one grain died. Wow. Jesus is preparing his disciples for the cross. It's at that point in his life. They finished most of their ministry time. And in the Gospel of John, chapter 12, the intellectuals are coming to Jesus. The Greeks are coming to him. The ones who, who are respected, the ones who are kind of like the PhDs of their day, the Greeks in their thought are coming to Jesus and they want to see him. And so the disciples tells Jesus, hey, you've made it. You're on the A-list. The who's who's want, to, want a meeting with you. And this is how Jesus responds. A single wheat, a single grain of wheat must fall into the ground and die. Wow. Wow. There's something about this journey that we're on, this this life that we we find in Christ, that is so backwards to everything that this world tries to communicate, and the culture that is present in America, it just doesn't always gel together. And so we we find in in our, in our walk in discipleship that there's all sorts of things that we've got to learn. If we try to keep your life for yourself, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will find true life. Mark chapter 8. Wow. Isn't it interesting? Have if we, mercy. If we want to find the real essence of what life is about, we can't pamper ourselves. Hmm. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? Hit your neighbor. Say, don't sleep on him today. Listen to him. Hmm. Paul wrote to the church at Galatia, chapter 2, verse 20 says, I myself no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So I live my life in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Hmm) There's something in this, this connection with, with Jesus, the Messiah, our Lord and Savior, that causes us to come to a place where we have to surrender. We have to die to the poles of this world. We have to die to the selfishness of our own soul. And a lot of times when, I, when I've heard this as I was growing up in the church, you know, I felt all the responsibility on my shoulders to make sure I'm dead. I got to make sure I'm dying well. I got to make sure, you know, I had a little too much enjoyment when Golden State won last night. Oh, Jesus, crucify the NBA to me. You know, crucify. And and we get off on all these kind of things and we think it's some kind of self-help program that we're supposed to really help die so that we can really be alive and have the true life that Jesus wants us to have. Haven't found that to work yet. Because as I, as, I, as I try to die and focus all of my energy in dying in this area, then something up over here pops up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Just as soon as you think you've arrived and you got your certificate, you're no longer saying bad words. Oh, right, I'm no longer saying bad words. You get your good word diploma and all this kind of stuff, and, and now your bad thoughts pop up. And it's like, oh, I've, I've, I've learned how to muzzle my mouth, but I don't have control of my, my thoughts. And so now I got to come. And so we just trade one for another. And the enemy, I think, really delights in that kind of an approach because there's an infinite number of things you need fixed in you. Amen. <laughs> but I think he's showing us another way. I think, he, I think he's shown us a, a way not a, a, of self-introspection to where we've got to crucify every part of life that starts to blossom, but a place where we, we come and we release and we surrender our life completely to him. We just surrender to him. And that paves a way for us to connect his heart to our heart. His spirit to our spirit, and out of that connection, everything else will flow. That's why we, we constantly are, are declaring it's about relationship folks. It's not about rules and regulations. it's not about how holy we appear externally. It's about what's happening inside. And I think that's where the butterfly metaphor really kind of really helps us. You know, as, as the caterpillar goes in and it spins its cocoon, and as it does that and it, and it pre- presents itself, it, it goes into a state where it appears as though it's died. But in its state of the cocoon, something is happening. There's a transformation that takes place that it's no longer a caterpillar. And this is, this is the problem I think we have as, as believers We come to Jesus as a caterpillar. We receive Jesus and we invite him into our hearts. We embrace him and we build a relationship with him, but we still think we're caterpillars. And if we're caterpillars, we're still crawling, we're not flying, we're not soaring. We're, we're not aware of the true beauty with which the new creation has established within us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. We, we don't have a, a clue of how gorgeous he's made us. And so we go around with our little caterpillar mentality. Slow is me, slow is me, uh, woe is me, woe is me. You know, and 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 we, we don't connect with what is ours in Christ Jesus. So here he says, as a disciple, we detach our uh, we detach our life from this world, and we abandon ourselves to Him. To say yes to Jesus. whether you realize it or not, you'll be saying no to some other things. Okay? I think part of our mistake is, is, is that we've, we've had a, a really, really big emphasis on the no's and a teeny emphasis on the yes. You know, and, and so we, we say yes to Jesus just enough to get us to heaven and invite him into our little heart and to be one of those little lambies that he puts on his shoulders. And now we're, we're, we've got a relationship with Jesus. But we focus the rest of our time on trying to get ourselves clean and cleaned up. No to this, no to this, no to this, no to this. We need to detach from the world so that we can attach to him. We need a bigger yes, and we won't have to worry as much about the no's. Now, I find that there's still opportunities for us to say no. But it comes as a result of having said yes and continuing to say yes and continuing to say yes to Jesus daily in our life. So we detach from this world. We abandon ourselves in in a complete surrender to the Lord. We come in as a caterpillar. We get cocooned in his love. He he begins the transformation process and all of a sudden we, we start cracking through the cocoon and we can't believe the transformation. You are so stinking beautiful and you still think you look like a caterpillar. Now, we, we, with grandchildren, we've gone to the, uh, to the Indianapolis Zoo and bought that little grandparents plus two pass so that we can take all our grandkids and two other people and we go and we go to the butterfly exhibit. How many has been to the butterfly exhibit? You've been there? I never seen such colors. So amazing, those butterflies as they're flying around. I think it was Layla that we took in there, and she was scared to death. I don't know if it, the beauty was overwhelming or if she'd seen too many cartoons and some evil butterflies. Who knows? But uh, have you ever seen an evil butterfly? I mean, we really don't associate evil with butterfly. Wasps, yeah. Yeah. But butterflies, no. No. And so the, the beauty is just amazing. It was intriguing. We find true life and we're to enjoy it forever. We're to enjoy flapping our wings in this new creation that we have in Christ Jesus. He says, if you want to be my disciple, follow me and you will go where I am going. I love this. I've never heard it put quite like that. Follow me. It sounds like a yogiism, doesn't it? Yogi bearer? Yeah. Yeah. Follow me and you will be where I am going. You know, and that was part of his prayer in in John 14. He says, I go to prepare a place that where I am, you may be also. There's something about Jesus that he loves us so much that the metaphor that comes into play is he's the bridegroom and we're the bride. And he is so taken with his bride, he wants his bride with him at all times. And so he says, you follow me, And as you follow me, you'll be where I am. Does that mess you up? As we're following Christ, everywhere you go, Christ is there. He's there. If you can't see him, ask the Holy Spirit to show you where Jesus is. Okay? How many believe Jesus is here this morning? Right on. Got a few. Okay. If you don't see him, shut your eyes and say, Holy Spirit, would you show me where Jesus is right now? Why don't we do that? Everybody shut your eyes. Holy Spirit, you've been released to the earth to glorify Jesus. To remind us of everything he said and did to make him known and bring glory and honor to him. And so we just invite you right now to show us where Jesus is. see him? Are you aware of where he's at? I find oftentimes in the spirit, I don't actually see, but I'm aware. I know he's there. But if you if you see him, that's that's cool, too. I love that. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Jesus, what do you want to be for us today? What is it that you have come to do? If we follow you, we'll be where you are, and we want to follow you. So you've come for a purpose. Hmm. we want to know that purpose. We'll pick that up in a minute. We'll go on down through the text, get to the purpose. <laughs> You'll follow me, you'll be where I'm at. And the father will shower his favor upon your life. Do do you catch this? A lot of times I think in the church, what we've taught is detach from the world, you know, crucify your flesh, crucify your, your, you know, anything that you want, just make sure you don't want it. Learn how not to want what you want. So as we focus on that, and, and, and here's Jesus saying, you know, follow me, you'll, you'll find that you'll be where I'm at. And as we, as we surrender to Jesus, then the very life that we long for, we receive. And he will shower favor upon you. Bring your favor, Lord. Mm. How much favor would you like today? Do you bring your thimble for your favor? Do you bring your uh, super cup, your 22-ouncer? Yeah. Anybody want to just say, fill up the baptistry, we'll jump in. Yeah his favor the scripture says that he wants to fill the whole earth with his glory to me that gives me a little bit of a hint of how much favor he wants to release upon each one of us he wants to release enough that we will manifest the presence of the Lord everywhere we go Mm. the father will show his favor upon your life and you know, whatever we think we got to say no to, whatever it is that we deny, whatever it is in the world that we give up, Jesus told his, his disciples, he says, my, my, my brothers, sisters, mother, you'll get this and so much more. Wow. Yeah, I love that. He says, and, and here he is, the Greeks have come. The enemy's trying to make one last intellectual appeal to Jesus to see if he can get him to, to, to buy in. And in the midst of this, Jesus knows what's coming. What's coming in the days ahead. And he says, even though I am torn within and my soul is in turmoil, I will not ask the Father to rescue me from this hour of trial. Wow. I have been so taken with the presence of of self-control that Jesus has. You know, he's 100% man, and yet he is so engaged with the Holy Spirit that the fruit of that relationship with the Holy Spirit is such manifested in his love, his peace, his patience, his joy, his kindness, his gentleness, his goodness, his self-control that even in the midst of, of getting ready to go through such suffering, he's not going to ask God to rescue him. Later on in John, as he's before Pilate, he, he, he communicates to Pilate, I, I could have called for legions of angels. I don't have to go through this. I have options. Hmm. But this is, this is the dynamic Of one who's one with God. You know your purpose. You know your purpose. So he tells us. For I have come to fulfill my purpose. To offer myself to God. Do you realize that's every one of our purposes? Your first purpose is to offer yourself to God. Hmm. (laughs) And... Father, bring glory to your name. That's our prayer. Father, bring glory to your name. The purpose that you've called me to is ultimately to bring glory to the name of the Father through the Son, by the Holy Spirit. Now, Father is just pleased this punch with his Son. He's already said, this is my beloved Son whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. <laughs> I pop the buttons right off my shirt. I'm so proud of my boy. He's amazing. And he can't help himself. But the audible voice of God speaks in the New Testament and says, I have glorified my name and I will glorify it through you again. Wow. The audible voice of God. That tells me that human beings will always find a way not to hear God, even when he speaks audibly. And that just blows me away. Jesus says that the audible voice wasn't for him, it was for them. <laughs> and then the, the scripture records that some Some, when they heard that voice, thought it had thundered. Others thought, oh, an angel was talking specifically just to Jesus for Jesus about what's coming up. And he says, no, 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 no. This wasn't a private message between father and son. This was a proclamation of the father to the earth. And it's declaring that he's about to glorify Jesus his name through his son again. So they're startled. They mistag it. And they don't understand the purpose of the audible voice of God. Every time you have something above a level one revelation, you go to a level two revelation, level three revelation, it's so that you'll believe. It's to it's help Help you understand that the Father loves you and that he's directing you. Oh, I love that. Help us to believe. That's why I, you just look over your life and you look at all the different times when, when the Lord God came to you. And sometimes we're not even aware that it was him, but we know something came just in the nick of time And sometimes with with Holy Spirit's assistant, we can reflect and we can understand and we can see, oh, that was Jesus. That was was an angel that the Lord had sent to help me, to to get me through something. Yeah, The voice was for you to help us to believe. Then he says something very profound. From this moment on, everything in this world is about to change. Whoa.: oh my goodness. From this moment on, everything in this world is about to change, and it's been changing ever since. Everything is up for change. Everything is up for transformation. God is not through with you. There's more change. There's more transformation that He wants to do in our hearts and our thoughts, and our lives and how we live. He is constantly pursuing us for deep, deep transformation. Hmm. For the ruler of this dark world will be overthrown. Now tell your neighbor, the devil's defeated. The devil's defeated. He says, and I will do this when I'm lifted up off the ground and when I draw the hearts of people to gather them to me. Now that's a harvest. I like that kind of harvest, a heart harvest. Let's get involved in the heart harvest of the kingdom of God in this day. He said this to indicate that he would die by being lifted up on the cross. So we get that little little clarification. How do we die? There's some things that we need to be detached to. But I would not put the emphasis that the church has put on that detachment near as much as there's some things we need to be attached to. We really, really need to be attached to the Lordship of Jesus Christ more than we've ever known. That means we confess our sins and he is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. And that gives us an opportunity to get a little closer. And the closer you get, the closer he is. We're in this ever-increasing intimacy from glory to glory with Jesus, with God the Father. We need to continue to press in to know him. Now, when I when I think of this practically, how, how do I know if I'm doing that? Then my to-do list, and I know some of us are wired to have to-do lists, and it's it's a way in which we find security, significance, and identity. But at the top of our to-do list for that temperament is spend time with Jesus. Okay? We give him the first. We don't give him... What's left over? We prioritize time with him. If we want to be used prophetically, if we want to be used in ministry of impartation, of healing, of establishing the kingdom wherever we go, then it's, it's going to take having spent some time with the one who transforms, with the one who empowers, with the one who loves people more than we do for us to get his heart for people. Mm. I've been with my my granddaughters this week at the Children's Museum. And it's amazing the things that happen in the course of of time that really kind of open your eyes. My granddaughters, when they see a homeless person, They want to know why we don't help them. They've got the pat answers that most American believers and non-believers give. Well, if we give it, so I hear my granddaughter says, yeah, I know. She was told if we give them money, they're going to use it and buy something that's not good for them. That's Possibly true. But I think there's something that is scaring me that I don't want the heart of my granddaughters not to give because people may misuse the gift. Matter of fact, I find that my Father in Heaven is always giving and how many times do we misuse the gift that He's given to us? And he doesn't stop giving it to us. He's hoping that we will grow up and we will steward it in more healthy ways. (laughs) So as I was looking at this lesson and, and as I'm looking at this, I'm just saying, Lord, I really want my granddaughters to have your heart for the hurting, for the ones who are homeless, the ones who are in need. So once again, and I know you, I'm not here to theologically debate, and I'm not here to step on your convictions, and I'm not here to put you in a panic, but I am just saying, you know, it might be a wise thing to just start the week with $10 worth of $1 bills and see how long that lasts you this week. And when you see someone who's in need they, not, they may not be standing on an intersection on the street. They may be in a store. They, they could be in a restaurant. They could be at the gym, wherever. Just be prepared because you spent time with him, not because pastor told you to, because you spent time with him. If this resonates with you, start getting $10 worth of $1 bills to start to distribute as you go through your week. I know for some of us, $10, that's, that's, that's going to be a whole lot. So get 10 quarters or, or whatever. I think there's something in, in the releasing of love, the heart of the Father, in a tangible way that will have an impact. And I think that's what we're called to do. Your purpose is to present yourself to God, offer yourself to him, and bring glory to his name. You're not called to police every stewardship of every believer or non-believer. You are not the secret police sent from heaven to go around and make sure everybody is doing it right. But you have been sent to bring glory to the Father. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. Uh Uh-oh, I just offended a whole lot of folks. Let's pray. Lord, as we look to this Easter season, as we look at uh, one of the most sorrowful days, when we think of the suffering of the passion, when we think of the death on the cross, Lord, we, we oftentimes will, will heighten that to, uh, to think that pain is, is something that brings pleasure to you. Lord, what brings pleasure to you is when we're with you and we're following you. When we're presenting ourselves to you completely. And then whether you lead us into places where we don't have enough or you lead us in places where we have plenty, we have an opportunity to just release the fullness of your kingdom to the earth. So it's the cry of my heart, Lord. I want to see your glory fill the earth. And I want to see your glory fill my heart and my life and find tangible expressions mm, to make a difference this week as we celebrate your passion, your death, your resurrection, your ascension. Mm-hmm the release of your Holy Spirit, and one day your return. So we bless you. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.